trade efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. In episode 23, Paul Stith, Director of Global Transportation Initiatives at Black & Veatch, and I discuss a number of things around electric infrastructure. He explains the company's role in vehicle electrification, his experience with EVs, where we are with EV infrastructure development, the need for cooperation among a variety of parties, lessons learned from transit bus charging, and why fleets need to get involved with their electric vehicle programs now. Today we have joining me Paul Stiff. He's the Director of Global Transportation Initiatives at Black & Veatch. Hello, Paul. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Mike. You know, I, I believe we met, um, you know, kind of on the conference circuit or something, you know, um, uh, probably in the last couple of years, you know, pretty recently. But um, we, I know we, we've been together speaking about, you know, electric, medium and heavy duty trucks a few times. And, and um, uh, now you're a board member with NACFI. But do, do you remember exactly what brought us together? I always like to kick this podcast off with how we met. Perfect. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think if, if we count pre-COVID and COVID times, the both of us probably speak between 20 and 40 or more times a year uh, out and about. So if I recall correctly, we crossed paths a few different times at the Green Truck Summit uh, hosted there at the Work Truck Show in, in Indiana. Um, and, and then there was something that was put together, it seems to me, by NREL, um, and they were, you know, looking for some folks to, to get involved and engaged, and, and that was kind of a co, uh, co, co-located or co, co-sponsored event. And, and I kind of came on board and, and chatted, and, and clearly some of the things I was saying resonated. And, um, and here we are with um, quite a couple few years already behind us as far as uh, connecting on these topics. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I uh, and. NACFI was really looking for a voice of the infrastructure side of electric trucks. And so uh, I remember kind of putting out a, a call, well, who knows infrastructure on electric trucks two or three years ago? And, you know, Black and Beach came up uh, pretty quickly with the, you know, the fleets and the truck builders out there. So tell us a bit about the company and, um, and, and sort of what your role and what, um, you know, Black and Beach's uh, efforts are around scale on electric trucks. Sure. So, so we're kind of, it's interesting. So Black and Beach is an employee owned company. We're now about 106 years old and, and roughly 10,000 professionals around the world. So we're kind of that behind the scenes. You either know Black and Beach really well, and it could have been in, in water, could have been in communications, telecommunications, fiber optics, or, or power, renewable energy, all the way through all of the, you know, central assets. Um, you know that, that have been built around around the world, really. So, our 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 mission in life is is continued to to grow and be more appreciated with as a critical infrastructure builder. So we design, engineer, permit, and construct these assets um, across these different these categories. So within Black and Beach, now I've been here coming up on six years, and I came on board as as a specialist, if you will, within the electrification space and kind of follows on to kind of an interesting past of um, growing up in automotive and, and then being an early adopter in you know, EV side. So we may chat about that at some point. Um, and, and what I do with the company right now is look at what's coming, where are we going, what are the projects going to look like, and then within all of the things that Black & Beach can do, how do we pull that together 
um, for our clients and what the market is looking at. So if you, you look at anything that's kind of up and coming um, and, and this, this whole segment of, of medium heavy-duty trucks is, is a perfect follow-on to the work we've already been doing in this. And, uh, and I, I do the things that help with our clients from planning through to execution and looking at what ongoing operations will look like. You know, that's, that's great because as we do our work on electric trucks, you know, this just how do we get the infrastructure, the big, you know, construction projects and so forth. And so your your company's past and doing that in, you know, cell phones and other things um, really, you know, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're with the trucking industry. You mentioned it, so I don't want to forget about it. So you own an electric car and what's been your experience uh, driving and owning one? Yeah, we we got intrigued um, back in 2010 um, about what this looked like, and, and my wife and I actually, um, she, she's always a techno, she's early adopter in, in a lot of things, uh, and we ended up in the Moscone Center in San Francisco on one of the early uh, Nissan Leaf tours, which was literally, you went inside the building, and that's where you test drove the vehicle. And, um, you know, because it's electric, because you can. And, and it was just, you know, super intrigued with it. Um, and I started to dive into, like, oh, my gosh, how do you charge these things? What are we going to do with our cost of energy and all of these sort of things? And, and before I knew it, actually, my wife just ordered the car. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess we really need to figure it out. So we started <laughs> back. Yeah, and it was, and it was like we're, we're, we're this, you know, two teenagers, um, two SUVs, um, big engines, all-wheel drive, in the driveway. And, and we ended up getting this little Nissan Leaf, and, um, and, and it just kind of took over. We had a very nice premium SUV that sat next to the, uh, to the Leaf, um, and, you know, whether in the driveway or pulled in the garage, and, and that car just stood there. And for the first year, we just drove the wheels off of that, and it just became really clear and evident to us that was a way forward. Um, here we are, 2021, um, and and we do le- we lease our vehicles, and that is that is something about with the technology moving so quickly and learning about it. But we have our ninth EV now, um, just uh, just coming on board, and oh wow, um, over 300,000 miles electric. The whole family, kids learned how to drive electric. We just you know we just made it work. Yeah, I'm 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 trying to figure out how for for. Letty and I to get in the EV game. I've had an electric lawnmower is about uh, my claim to fame so far. <laughs> hey, so here we are, 2021, and you know there, there's there's basically a um, you know the trucks are coming. We got a lot of announcements. We got new production being put in place. The trucks are coming. So just give us where are we with infrastructure right now in 2021, and um, let, let's start there. We'll talk about the future in a minute or two, but. Right now, where are we right now? And for those people considering putting a, an electric, medium, or heavy-duty truck in the ground or, or in operation, how do they need to be thinking about charging? And what's sort of your top three points with them? Sure. So, so first off, it's, it's just you know, okay, a consumer can go out and say, "I'd like to get an electric vehicle," and they can make that transition. They can kind of hunt around, and oh, I've got an outlet, you know, near where I park, or I can go into public. And I can, you know, I can figure it out because electrons are frankly everywhere. You just need to get a nice, an access point to them. If you're in the truck side of things, you're, you're just looking at a tremendous amount of energy that you're going to need to pull into those vehicles to, to displace their current fuel source. So the, where we are today, 
is, is really a, a very steep and rapid um, learning curve. And, and I think what's going on is, is that, that we're, we're seeing pilots, we're seeing getting early access to vehicles and, and a lot of uptake uh, interest. And, and then it's like, okay, great, so, so what, do we, what do we do about that? And I, and I think that is, is interesting because it's an opportunity and it's a challenge because it's back to almost the way I described our consumer experience, like, oh, we're doing this. Now I actually have to really figure it out. And I think that's kind of the stage we're at. And more people that, that um, you know, uh, proverbial light bulb is coming on and, and they're starting to, to get to like, okay, well, this means the facilities people are going to be involved. This means my utility is going to be involved. And that's totally different than saying, oh, I'm going to use the next electronic ignition, uh, whiz-bang, or, or, or some other efficiency technology that just comes on the vehicle and then operates. So it's, it really is that, that learning phase right now is where we're at. Yeah, and I, I remember when NACB started the electric truck work, and we, had, we, we, we talked to a really big fleet about, um, you know, how this was happening, and the fleet manager said exactly what you just brought up, Paul. He said, you know, I knew this was going to be different when I went into the room, and instead of having maybe one or two people in there where we were making decisions around, you know, do we spec an automated transmission or a manual transmission? And maybe we had, you know, the guy or lady in charge of drivers and somebody else, and we were making those decisions. Now, when he walked into the room to talk about buying electric trucks, I mean, construction and finance and, and um, you know, facilities. And, you know, there was, it was full of people because that's what it takes to, to make this happen. So, you know, Part of me wonders, Paul, I mean, are they just a whole bunch of fleets looking out there going, holy Moses, I'm not going to be the first to do this. I'm going to sit back and wait for others. It doesn't feel that way, though. It feels like um, the industry sees this coming, and they're becoming educated, and they're trying to figure out a way to get one or two or three trucks into their operation, even if they're yard tractors to start with. Definitely. I mean, and I think the other thing that you got to look at that, that's, going on is, is different regions, different cities, um, certainly states have a lot of vested interest in the success of this transformation. So if you, if you sit back and you don't get involved in learning about it and, and taking advantage, I'm going to call them early opportunities for funding and learning, um, then you're, you're really missing out. So the good news is, is that there are many organizations, small and large, that are, you know, kind of taking it upon themselves to get involved and, and, and see where this is going and whether it's, you know, diesel replacement funds, um, a federal uh, program or a state program or, or certainly the, the VW program that has funds scattered across all the states. Um, you know, finding ways, a little niche, to basically offset that cost of some of the upfront, um, you know, before, as, before cost parity arrives and, and, and really take advantage of how you can understand because you don't, uh, you really don't know, I've got to say, until you know. And, and, and each organization will find a different path that they have, to, they have to get started in order to really appreciate where that will go. Yeah, that's great. So um, I think this is a big point. So I want to shift gears into the future a little bit. But, but before we go there, um, right now here in 2021, you know, there's, we're encouraging fleets. Um, to work, find a truck builder, get a truck on order, try to get some funding through these streams of, you know, 
Uh, you mentioned them, right? Whether it's the utility with funding for infrastructure or funding on the truck somehow, and, and you'll get in the game, even if it's just one or two trucks uh, in your fleet. But that's so important to do. Uh, and that'll be, you know, depot charging. You know, maybe it's slow charging, you know, overnight for some trucks that are sitting. But, you know, get started. Um, that, that, that point is really important that I think we're, we're both trying to make here. So having made that point, <laughs> let's look out into the future a little more. Um, so what's your advice then when you, when you want to make that next step, right? So now we're maybe charging 10 or 20 or 30 trucks at the site. Maybe we, maybe we're thinking about um, public charging somewhere. I know you, you've got some work, or you support the, the char in efforts, but um, a- after this first phase of early adopters and depot charging and so forth, uh, let, let's look out a little farther, Paul, and start. How does that look, and, and what are the keys to being successful there? So I, I think it's something that the industry, you know, needs to continually look at. Well, where is it going, right? Um, how are the trucks being used? How are the routes being um, defined, you know, going forward? I know there's a really high percentage of, you know, uh, vehicles that do return to base, and that, and that has a lot to do with driver. Um, driver retention and just the distribution models, if you will. The, if we want to go further, though, let's just, just just think about that. Is if you are out on the road, I, I do this all the time. Is I, I look around at all of those vehicles, and they're going somewhere. Particularly the big trucks get out on on you know the I five or or go near a port, the seven seven ten um, or or you know. In, in the Bay Area where I'm up, up here near San Francisco. So look at those vehicles. Where are they going? And then how much fuel are they consuming? So then you look around a little bit more. It's something you might not have looked at, and that's the power grid. So you've got those big transmission towers that, you know, are running power from where it was generated to where it's, you know, going to be consumed, goes into substations, um, and then you've got big solar fields that are coming up, and you've got, you know, distributed energy opportunities. So you have to actually think really hard about, like, okay, well, where are those vehicles going to go, do their job, and where do they stop for a little while? And and how does that, these wires that you now might be more aware of, where do they go, and, and how do we get those two things in the same place? So that's that's really the kind of the challenge. And when you start to, to think about that, a truck, it just needs, you know, a half megawatt hour of, of, of energy. Um, if you look at these buildings, you take a few trucks and that's like, you know, the entire uh, skyscraper amount of power draw from the grid. So you, you have to kind of think about it. So in operationally, the, the, you mentioned Charin, do you want to run this like a fueling truck? uh, that you would do in a a long-haul scenario, be able to fuel within a half an hour. And that is certainly something that is right on the drawing boards today, and it's being planned for and being understood and everything that's necessary to do that. Yet, where is that going to be? Is that going to be in the depot as a quick turnaround, or will it be out in in a convenience truck stop of the future? And how do you put several of those so that you can actually mimic today's expectations on the fueling infrastructure or, or modify operations to, to make it work. That's really important. And modifying operations, uh, you know, we can't change everything. We need to, we need to make these trucks work in, you know, sort of the, the current 
um, logistics footprint. I mean, it's, it's clearly been built around diesel and gasoline powering these trucks, class three to class eight. Um, but it needs to work within that, but maybe there's some adjustments to make. I mean, one of the things I think about is hours of service for the truck driver. You know, there's all this debate about, you know, when can they take their half an hour break? We've got this, the split sleeper berth. And I, I, I don't profess to be an expert in the hours of service rule, but maybe if we had, maybe there's a way we could work that rule along with the uh, opportunity to, you know, encourage electrification of trucking where, you know, maybe that driver can have a three-hour break in the middle of his driver time, driving time uh, that allows for some of this charging to take place and, you know, in sensible locations with, uh, with the operations. Now, you know, maybe I'm being way too um, uh, optimistic about how, you know, regulations get joined, but, but that, something like that could be really helpful to, um, to scaling, particularly in the, you know, in the midterm to the longer term of this transformation. Yeah, if you take another look, and we've got a tremendous amount of experience that's directly relevant in transit and charging transit buses all over the country. Now, if you look at the way they tend to manage drivers, they have very fixed routes. They're they're known, they're on a schedule, and they actually have uh, layovers. And, and a layover location could be for a driver to take a break. It also could be to change drivers to keep that vehicle moving. And so if you look in transit, what they've done in their operations is they definitely are charging in, in depots. And then in some cases, and we have one of these deployments in New York City, is that the buses could run theoretically 24 hours a day. And what they do is they charge at, the, uh, at a, number, a couple of bus stops. So as you go back and forth across Manhattan, um, these stops are, you know, five, ten minutes. So at the most, and they're actually able to recover enough energy to actually do the rest of their service. So, so you know, it, it's really integrating to the operations. Technology can advance to create all sorts of whiz-bang ways to do these things. And then we have to think about, you know, how do you keep those assets, um, the, the vehicle assets and the humans, um, doing, you know, their, what, what their operational duty cycle looks like. Put the puzzle together. Sure. And so as we think about, um, you know, acting now and then into the future, um, you know, this is one of the benefits of the complex trucking industry because, um, you know, we definitely have, you know, look at e-commerce, you know, step vans. Those, you know, many of those uh, are not on the streets, you know, in the evenings or overnight. They go do their work maybe from, you know, five in the morning till two in the afternoon. And then many of those trucks sit around. We just don't want as a public, you know, uh, those trucks in our neighborhoods, you know, and on the streets and, you know, in, in the rush hour and so forth. So they end up going back to base. My point is that there are some trucks that, that have relatively small battery packs that don't need a ton of charging, have long dwell times, and those are great places for, you know, action now and adoption now. And we'll learn a lot about, you know, maintenance and operations and so forth there, which then can lead us into the next phase and the next phase. I mean, I think CalSTAR Cal calls those kind of waves of electrification and trucking. And I, I think the good news here is the diversity of the duty cycles and applications in trucking offer us, you know, a pathway 
you know, we we don't need to be perfect in the future with like long haul trucking. We we can learn and scale along the way. You agree with that, Paul? And is that like like uh, uh, you know uh, like a, a an asset of the complexity that oftentimes we 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 complain about in trucking? <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I kind of used the word puzzle before because there's a there's the operational uh, of the vehicles and and in that puzzle to solve, and then on the other side is the grid and and the the marching forward into a clean energy grid, right? So. It's, it, it requires on both sides an orchestration to, to get the best, you know, thing for your buck, if you will, on, on if we're going to go electric, let's also make sure that it has clean energy. So the, the grids at, that are out there and at every individual location, be it, uh, uh, you know, along a, an, a route or at a depot, frankly, they're actually just different. The, the amount of load on the grid at that place and the, and the calendar, if you will, um, for that load uh, over the 24 hours of the day and, and, the, and the seasonal, talk about air conditioner load and, and, and so forth. All of that has to get orchestrated. And so the good news that I would say is, is there's an awful lot of work that's been done with the grid looking at how to integrate renewables. And then this is a new load that also has to be figured out, well, where is it? If you go, you know, through a, a, a warehousing district, you have not one location, but you have potentially dozens of large locations that actually have all these vehicles. So to the grid, that's a, that's that's a hotspot, right, of like new activity coming that has to be understood and looked at. So when you talk about things that drive during the day, things that drive in the evening, and clearly, you know, kind of orchestrating it, it's also across all these different you know, customers and, and when they will bring their vehicles onto the grid. That's really interesting. And, you know, we've done a lot of work on regional hall and this, you bring up this term warehouse districts. We recently saw an article in Chicago where they were talking about challenges in getting people to those warehouse districts to do sorting and other things. You know, we also, you bring up another key point and that is that these warehouse districts will probably need a lot of power for these, uh, for these electric trucks, are the utilities, um, you know, see, do they see the opportunity and are they uh, are getting aggressive here, Paul? Because it seems like a lot of these utilities, this, this work takes time. It's not anything you can do in a couple of months. It's more like, you know, years in some cases. So are, are they, are they coming on board with the opportunity here fast enough for the trucking industry? I, I hope so. And I think so. So, you know, one day I'll tell you, yeah, I think they get it and we're ready to go. And, and there are some that are leaders that are, that are moving faster in this space. And then they're like, you know, they're, they're, they're concerned, but they also have to find ways to, to act. So, you know, utilities are our clients as well. So we build infrastructure, we build transmission lines, we are building these core assets for utilities. And then we, we work with them on planning processes as well. And I talk about that orchestration. Well, those are integrated resource plans, and, and we do that type of work. And, and all it comes back down to, though, is, is the capital and the funding. So each utility has perhaps different stakeholders and, and uh, governments, so a public utility, municipal utility, a co-op, um, that you know, this could become the largest load of their entire existence. 
um, if they if they happen to have one of those warehousing districts, um, you know, in 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 their service territory. So I think they're catching on. I participate in in SEPA, leading uh, co-chair for the fleet electrification group, and you know, every day I, I see more and more utilities that are are perking up and and you know diving in to figure this out. So I'm I'm very optimistic, but it but doesn't mean you don't have a lot of work to do. You know, you're kind of new to the trucking industry. So how excited are you about um, electrification of trucks? And what's your impression of the trucking industry? And why are you so excited about working with uh, us and it uh, to make this happen? Well, everybody that I meet in this in this space, the logistics space and the and and all of the things that are that are out there, there's really a get or done attitude, right? And a resilience. That, that plays across the entire industry, be it, you know, putting chains on and going through the snow versus, you know, a, a pleasant drive down the coast, a scenic view. You know, I, I think that this industry has actually taken on many, many challenges, and, I, and that gives me a lot of optimism for everything that I've seen in being, you know, they need to adapt. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to be overnight, but I, but I do see that that drive to to work at it and you know and i do see that there is a you know very much about a cost effectiveness and and as this technology and cost parity occur you'll be losing money if you haven't electrified so i think that that drive to figure it out is is very persistent and it's great to watch the evolution you know and i, I would say don't don't be shy reach out Get, get to some experts to, uh, to help and understand where you're at and where you're trying to go. Great advice, Paul. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you and Black and & Veatch um, helping this industry on our uh, journey to truck electrification. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Rosen Friends.